we are in our second teaching session on the good and beautiful you. And I'm so glad you're logging in and catching up on the teaching here. If you heard it live yesterday in the morning or evening, this might just help you with your recall. Someone did say to me after church on Sunday night, there's so much in this material, it's almost like they need a podcast to listen to and then reflect on again and listen to as they nod off to sleep. So it's fixed in their brains. Uh, so maybe this will help you sleep uh, because you have a sacred body and looking after your body is important, which is the topic of today, funnily enough. You'll see on the screen here, this is what we're looking at. You, dear friends, have a sacred body. And uh, as we work through this process of thinking about how it is that you and I become transformed to become like Jesus, to become the person Jesus has created us to be. Today we come to this wonderful uh, t uh, wonderful teaching on our bodies. Now, uh, I just wanted to stop and say, hey, it's easy to confuse what we're doing here with uh, just another personal development, self-help, uh, psychological process by which you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make your life work and and that can feel like a crushing burden i mean who amongst us has not read a personal development book has not talked to someone and gone yes i want to get better at this yes i want to get better at that i've tried a diet i've tried a workout regime i've tried a productivity hack and it's just a, and now maybe this is just a religious version of that and it's a crushing burden well this is not that this is fundamentally different this is not a life hack. This is the promise and the challenge Jesus gives us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened by endless attempts at self-improvement, at self-development, at uh, increased religiosity and moral transformation. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't take anything else away from this talk, take those verses away. Go and look them up. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Print them out. Put them in front of you. Meditate on them. Think about them. It says that, that the way of rest for our souls, the way of soul integration and healing and peace and flourishing is not burdensome. The way of soul healing and restoration is by being yoked to Jesus, by doing life with Jesus. His burden is light. He's not here to crush us. He's here, he's here to make us whole, to lift us up. So uh, come uh, and enter into this teaching and this journey with this promise at the front of your minds that if you and I are yoked to Jesus, if we live with him and learn from him, learn from him, don't just give lip service, go, oh, well, this is what Jesus said, and I'm sure it was something very significant and spiritual back then, but mm, really it's probably of limited value to me now. But learn. Say, Jesus, be my teacher today. Jesus, be my teacher in this moment for how I should live in my life right now. And uh, that's the path of transformation. Now, uh, just to recap this is a picture of how we exist as human beings. This comes from Dallas Willard in his book, The Renovation of the Heart. And uh, I'll just recap quickly because this is very important. At the center of our being in Willard's taxonomy, we have a heart or a spirit. 
the part of us that makes decisions. This part of us is, uh, has a, we have a mind and our minds are made up of thoughts and feelings and uh, our minds are by the means by which we apprehend the world, we make sense of the world. Our minds are wrapped up and our uh, will is wrapped up in a body and the body is the means, is then wrapped up and always caught up in a social environment. We are, we, we come and we're created as the, as the result of two people getting together in a social environment. We're born in relationship. We live in relationship. It's, it's all about relationships. And our bodies that contain our minds and our hearts are embodied in relationship. And then over all of that, around all of that, underneath all of that, encapsulating all of that is our soul, this this part of us, this this whole of us, this this seeing, this aspect of us that makes sense of the whole, and it's our soul that is open to God, open to this infinite environment. And uh, when our soul is well taken care of, it is because our spirit and our minds and our bodies and our social context are all functioning as they should. And when there's disorder and chaos and dysfunction in any of the other environments or when we're disconnected from God, then our souls are disordered uh, and possibly even lost. And that would be a great, great, great tragedy to have a lost soul. So uh, that is uh, who we are in summary. And what we're going to look at today is the fact that we are bodies. We have a body. Now, uh, there's a, a false view um, that uh, a false narrative in Jim Smith's language that goes around. And the narrative is this, that my body has nothing to do with my spiritual life. It's, a, it's an ancient tradition going back, a way of thinking going back as far as the Greeks, ancient Greeks, and probably even before that. And that says that what is good and lasting and pure is the spirit and what is, and the body is, is uh, either irrelevant to or a hindrance to my spiritual life. Now, now, much Christianity and perhaps conservative Christianity is influenced by this. Uh, and, it, and it's influenced by this because in conservative Christianity, we can experience our bodies with all their desires as a hindrance to our spiritual growth, typically something to be done away with. And uh, you see this in contemporary culture or contemporary sort of Christian culture of the last hundred years, this idea that somehow I leave my corrupt body and I go and I, I go to heaven and my spirit or my soul goes to heaven and my body with all its flaws is left behind and that's a good thing because the body's bad. Now, why is that the case? Well, if you think about it, our bodies have all kinds of desires. They are natural desires. So let's think about them. Uh, and those desires are powerful and those desires can be directed towards the good and the true and the beautiful in life, life-giving. And, and desires can be directed in a way that are well-ordered and create a healthy soul. All those desires can rule us and be directed in ways that are dysfunctional and destructive and actually disorder our souls. So think, for example, our desire for food. Is that a good or a bad desire? Well, it's a good desire. You gotta eat. You need calories in if you're gonna live. But our desire for food can be misdirected. So we can uh, direct our desire for food towards food that is profoundly unhealthy. We can direct it towards too much food, gluttony. We can use food 
to manage other desires such as tiredness or anxiety or sadness or anger. And we can eat and use the desire for food as a mask for deeper dis-ease, unsettledness in our bodies. Or we can develop uh, an eating disorder where our desire for food and our relationship with our body is twisted in all the terribly tragic and difficult mental health challenges that can emerge through eating disorders. The other desire, we, we won't go through all of them, but another one obviously is sex. Uh, you know, sex is a good desire. Without the desire for sex, clearly you and I wouldn't be here. The human species would cease to exist. So we have a desire to procreate. We have a desire for sexual intimacy, for connection with someone else. And that's good. And it gives life. It's wonderful. It's, uh, it's an incredible gift from God. But of course, we also know that our desire for sex, when misdirected, when disordered, when not under the control of a will that is submitted to Jesus and a mind that thinks the thoughts of God after him, our sexuality and our desire for sex can be uh, terribly abusive and dysfunctional in all kinds of destructive ways. One last desire. One part of the body that we don't often think about is is in one, quite possibly, one of the one of the, the most influential parts of our body, uh, but that has a disproportionate capacity to create havoc and uh, mayhem in our lives and in our communities. And I'm talking about the tongue, our mouths, our ability to speak that gives vent, gives, uh, gives voice to the desire to communicate and connect. It's all done through the tongue. Now just think about what we do with our tongues, we, as the book of James says, we praise God with our tongues, this great, wonderful thing, and, and we then also curse people. We tell the truth and we tell lies. We gossip. We misrepresent reality. We set, as the book of James says, this little spark set by the tongue can cause a, a forest fire, a raging conflagration of broken relationships and messed up life. But on the other hand, the tongue can speak beauty and truth. The tongue can bring into being marriage as we give our vows and create covenants and can give life. So our bodies have everything to do with our spiritual lives, even though sometimes they can feel like a hindrance and sin can dwell in them, as Paul says in Romans 7, and I'd encourage you to Read the book for more of that. Romans 7, Paul says this: there's this dynamic that that which I don't want to do, I do, and that which I do, I don't want to do. And he says, oh man, it's it's because it's sin living in me and, and because evil is crouching close by me. Well, how am I going to get out of this? And he says, well, praise be uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ who's rescued me from this body of sin and death. So Jesus Christ comes into the world and the good news is there's a way in which our bodies can be can be healed and brought into the realm of the kingdom of the heavens, so yoked Jesus that our bodies only always serve the kingdom of the heavens and love and serve other people. What do I mean by that? Well, have a look at Romans chapter 6. This is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul, Romans 6. We're no longer to present, this is the goal, right? In, in spiritual transformation, do not present your members or the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. A tongue that gossips is an instrument of wickedness. A tongue that tells the truth 
is an instrument of righteousness. So rather, present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and present the parts of your body, your members, to God as instruments of righteousness. Yes, it's possible that your body and my body and all its parts and all the desires that animate all its parts will not be ruled by sin will not be controlled by the desire to have those needs met but actually every part of our lives will be given over to god as as an instrument of righteousness that's what a vision what a vision imagine imagine if what a i mean what an employee or a boss you would be if you your mouth was only ever an instrument of righteousness. You never misrepresented the truth to clients. You never used your words to criticize or cut down or gossip about employees or co-workers or bosses or difficult people you dealt with. Imagine that. If you only ever told the truth and said that, which was useful for encouraging people and building people up. And you, wow, that'd be incredible. Same, obviously, with our sexuality and our, our hunger and our bodies uh, because the truth of the matter is, uh, every part of us is uh, is important and is useful to God, um, and our bodies are integrally connected. Because there's a second narrative, right? Um, that uh, you have a sacred body. That's why it's so significant what we do. That we have a sacred body as. As uh, the writer of Genesis says, right at the story, at the start of the Bible, God declares embodied people, Adam and Eve, walking around the garden, naked and hanging out and looking after the world. He says they're very good. So look, you know, tomorrow morning when you are getting ready for work or whatever you're doing, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and, and declare over yourself, my body is very good very good don't look at it with disdain or disgust don't don't look at it comparing it to the beautifully photoshopped perfected bodies of that you might see in media and social media and just look at it as you as your body as a sacred gift from god over which to god declares it's very good oh, that'd be pretty cool hey how would that change how you'd feel about your body if you if you believed and learned from Jesus that your body is very good, problematic at times, falling apart at times, but fundamentally very good. The miracle that is you is and will always be embodied. God's design for the human person is to be embodied. God loves matter. God made a lot of it and God loves human bodies. God made a lot of them. What a great quote from Jim Smith. Uh, a lot of bodies, and they're all different and they're all wonderful. Our bodies and our souls go together. Here's another great quote. The soul is in the body and the body is in the soul. Put simply, we do not have souls, we are souls. We do not have bodies, we are bodies, and they are united. Our body needs our soul in order to live and move to animate it, and our soul needs our body in order to reveal itself, to be made known and to act. So what does all this mean? Here's some soul training. How do you take this body? How do you train it to uh, live in the yoke with the yoke of Jesus? Well, you move. 
Now, there's lots. We'll, I might post uh, below. There's there's so much data on the benefits of moving. Just just get up and move. Exercise. Uh, embrace any opportunity to move. And your movement, your exercise, using your body is 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 really, really, really important for your soul. Looking after this body of yours for as long as you can is important for your soul because your body is the only means you have to love other people. Uh, now, when you move, here's the goal. As you move, do it in a way that helps you feel God's pleasure. This is a quote from Eric Liddell, the uh, Scottish runner from Chariots of Fire. When asked why he had to run as a Christian, he said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Now that's the goal. When we can we find a way of understanding God's plan for our bodies, that when we move, when you if you're doing Pilates, if you're just walking up the steps, if you're if you're stretching in the morning, if you're playing a game of squash, if you are going for a walk on the beach, if you're swimming your laps, as you move to say, I feel God's pleasure because this body that he gave me is very good. And it's the place where I can connect with him and connect with others and make a difference in the world. So move. Move and feel God's pleasure.